Welcome to another episode of Junior Achievement of South Florida's Recipe for Success. Just as there are no two recipes that contain the exact same ingredients or measurements, there are no two success stories exactly the same. Recipe for Success features entrepreneurs, visionary leaders, and innovators of all ages who will share the ingredients that make them successful. Here's your host, Lori Salarulo, President and CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. Welcome everyone. We are live here on the set of Recipe for Success. Uh, we're here at the JA World Heisinger Center, uh, Lillian S. Wells Pavilion. Uh, I hope that you had a chance to watch last week's episode. It was really special for me to have my mom on the show and talk about her recipe. Uh, but this week we have another dynamic, exciting guest with us and uh, somebody that many of you probably know, he's famous around town here, uh, and that is Mr. Gary Press. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for being my on pleasure, the show. My pleasure, my pleasure. It's tough to, it's tough to, it's tough to top your mom. I mean, you know, <laughs> That's you know, true. You always but... say, you want to come in with something, but your mom, I heard, was amazing. So I'm oh, happy to you. be here, and thank I hope you. I can live up to the high uh, expectations. You will. You're amazing, too, uh, in your own way. And thank so, you. So one of the things that I love to do um, is I love to share with our viewers and our listeners just a little bit of, you know, maybe two or three highlights along the journey um, of how you got to here today. And I love hearing that, too. So I always learn little things about people sure. that I didn't know. So give me two or three things along the way that kind of got you to the business you're in and entrepreneurship sure. and all of that. Um, so. When I was going to college, I, wanted, I was pre-med, and then I saw that you have to actually deal with blood. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I quit that, and I said, well, I could be a psychologist. So I started saying, okay, I'm going to be in psychology. And then I read, about the, uh, I read about the psychology of advertising. So I switched again to, uh, to journalism and, uh, and to marketing. And uh, so my dream was to become uh, one of these guys on Madison Avenue, you know, do all the advertising for some major brand. And I actually did that with CoverGirl Makeup and Eyes. Um, then I, I started becoming friendly. I was in charge of, I think back then, this is a long time ago. Uh, back then I was in charge of a, about a $47 million budget. which was a lot of money back then. Um, still a lot of money, I guess. Yeah. And, and I became friends with the guys who were my sales reps. You know, the guy who ran was sales rep for Cosmopolitan magazine, Young Miss, Mademoiselle. And when, as I started hanging out with them, they took me out on, on their yachts. And was that in the eighties? This was in the eighties. <laughs> yes. So I worked for Ogilvy and Mather oh, during I, the eighties. So I get it. McCann Erickson. <laughs> so we were down the street. Yep. David Ogilvy. Yep. Yeah. So. And then I realized, uh, I thought, wow, these are great perks because, you know, you're selling and you can bring your clients out on the, on the corporate yacht. And, and I was told, this is my yacht. And then we chatted about how much money this, they were making, how much money I was making. And I said, I'm getting out of the creative side <laughs> and getting on the business side. So um, that's how I started as a sales rep and then uh, for, a, for publication. And then uh, about a year later, got po uh, promoted to ad director and publisher right after that. So that's how I got in the publishing industry. Industry. Inter interesting, interesting, yeah. interesting. I always wondered if that was how you started out. And so obviously journalism was something you started out thinking about. Mm -hmm. 
But there's a whole entrepreneurial side to publishing, right? So you work through the ranks and learn the business, which is the best way to learn any business. Um, but then you took it from working for other people in the publishing business to being your own boss in the publishing business. So talk about that transition a little bit. Well, the, the, the transition was, I didn't like working for people. <laughs> you know, I really didn't. I think, you know, I was, I'm a guy who likes to try a lot of different things and um, take risks. And in corporate, you know, in a lot of corporations, they don't give you that kind of leeway. So I decided to take a risk when I was younger and start an ad agency. And that did well. Um, had, a lot of, uh, had a lot of clients that are still around today. Um, you know, Styles Corporation was a, was a client. George Perez at Related was a client. Radis Corporation, they're not around anymore, but if you remember Radis, they were a client. A lot of real estate. So it was down here, the yeah. advertising agency? Yeah, and, uh, and then we started getting into the magazine business. Um, actually a really fascinating story. I was, I was, I had a couple of clients down in Aventura, so Coscan Waterways, Turnberry were, were ad clients, and then they came to me and asked if, uh, if we could start a magazine, and we did for them. Um, we owned it, but they all advertised, which was terrific, and they were my yeah. clients. So <laughs> I built the ads, and then I charged them for the ads. Yeah. Um, and then they wanted to do so, they wanted to start a chamber of commerce and make it a city, because it was unincorporated back then. Right. So I, I hooked up with a lobbyist, Ron Book. Mm -hmm. you know Ron? I didn't know Ron. Okay, so Ron and I went to Tallahassee. We did the creative. He did all the legal work, and we helped start the city of Aventura. And uh, this was an incredible learning experience. And uh, you know, from there, we started some other titles. Um, and that's, that's the first time I, I, I became an entrepreneur. Interesting. Uh, so you mentioned taking risks. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there are some people who are adverse, averse to taking risks, and then there are others who thrive on taking those risks. Has that been part of, was that, would you say that that's one of the ingredients to your success? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I encourage uh, anybody I talk to to take those risks, even, even people that, um, that work with me on my, my staff. You know, um, you can see when someone has that, you know, this, this entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. And while you may have someone who's very talented and you don't want them to leave, you know, you gotta, yeah, the way I look at it, you really need, you know, to take care of your people. And you gotta help them fulfill their dreams. Um, it's all, you know, business is, business is really about people. You can have a, you can have a, a good product and, you, and, and, and it can fail. You know, you could have a, a, a mediocre product and you can be terrific. It That's depends true. on who you're working with. Right. So it's about the people, 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 right? Mm -hmm. yes. um, so you've taken risks um, and sometimes they probably worked out great and other times they might not have worked out so great. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, so what, what is it uh, about you? So once you've taken those risks, uh, the ones that didn't go as you had planned, um, how did you deal with that, right? Because I think how people deal with those things when they don't go, the way we want them to go is critical, right, in where we end up. And so talk a little bit about how you dealt with some of those that didn't go as well. Sure. Uh, early in my career, I took a risk um, and I brought in uh, two partners and one of them was not a great guy. It was my concept. Um, 
and this one gentleman uh, really sabotaged. He stole the idea and went up. To, and I felt terrible. I felt hurt. I, was, I felt betrayed. Um, and then I really thought about it, and it and it made me hunger to to get back in the game, you know, prove that I still can do this. Um, I spent, you know, probably a week, you know, not happy about it and <laughs> not the best emotions. But then we, we, I turned it around the next week and said, okay, how am I going to learn from this? And you know, you, you move on. You move yeah. on. Yeah, it's really funny. I read an article about, I forget, it was a woman entrepreneur. Uh, oh, actually, you know who it was? It was an actress. Oh. She's an actress, entrepreneur. She's married to Nick Jonas. Uh, Priyanka, I think is her name. Mm -hmm. uh, Indian, beautiful woman. Yeah. Uh, and she said, you know, give me those gallons of ice cream because when things don't go the way I thought, I'm going to hide under the covers and eat that ice cream for about a week. But then I'm going to get back in the game and figure out how, to, how do I learn and grow from that and move forward. And that you know, sounds I, like you I always looked at it as, okay, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, you take a look at, when you take a look at the very worst thing and you can deal with that, you know, right. then you move forward. I always felt that if this doesn't work, work out, I'm pretty employable. <laughs> I think I could get a job somewhere. Yeah, so, um, you could probably sell ice to the Eskimos, okay? We got it. You could definitely get a job in sales. So the other thing you mentioned that I, I think is critical today, and I think it's even more important because of the, the, the way that the, the work world is changing with the new generations right. that are joining it. You talked about taking care of your people. Does that look different today than it did 20 years ago? Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's, it's night and day. And it's not happening just in Silicon Valley. It's, it's all over the country, you know, certainly major cities, and certainly in South Florida. You know, I'm walking into offices and, and I'm seeing, and we have a pool table in our office. You know, so we have to make it a fun place to work. You know, we talked a minute ago about, about people. You have to, everybody's different. And quite frankly, most people I've found, it's not just money that motivates them. I mean, sometimes money's the, the second, third, fourth thing on their list. People want to enjoy coming to work. They want to have fun. And you have to create that atmosphere. You didn't have to 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You know, people knew work is work. Right. Okay? Today, it's a totally different story. And if you don't get it, you're in trouble. Right. Yeah, you can complain all you want about the new generation, right? right. But you better embrace it. Otherwise, you're, you're, in, you're definitely in trouble. But how do you figure out, I think this is one of the challenges I hear other CEOs talk about is, how do you figure out, right? Because like you said, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. How do you figure out what your people want? Like, what do you do? How do you, how do you figure them out? Well, some of it's from a... a some of it's technology and some of it's just getting to know them. From a technology perspective, we do a lot of surveys with them which are anonymous. You know, I felt for a while, and you know I'm very transparent, I felt for <laughs> a while that, that, that our onboarding process really was bad. And, and I was working and working with my folks on creating a better onboarding process. And, uh, and then the managers would you did it for several months and then they started slipping back and you know you have to have discipline in that onboarding process 
So we did a survey recently about our onboarding process, and I was surprised at how many people gave us favorable ratings. We don't do a good job at it. Other things, you know, we talk about, you know, we do surveys on, on their satisfaction at work. So, and then sometimes, many times we get great feedback, but there are several areas that we don't do well on. So we focus on those things with the management team. Uh, and the other thing, nothing beats great conversations. And um, you know, I try, you know, we have about 50 employees. You know, I try to talk to a, a, a significant conversation with at least seven of them every week, seven to 10. And talking about their families, how are they doing, what's going on in their lives. And if you take interest in people, then you know, that's more than money yeah. you know, for most of them. Yeah. So then you got a couple of salespeople who, and thank God, they just want money. They say, don't talk to me. Just give, just me, give, me, give me my commissions right. and make it as exactly. high as you can. And that's all but I that's care. And that's what makes them tick. Right. You got to know what each individual right. makes them tick, as you said. Right. You know, so, and uh, you know, I think people, you know, from an HR perspective, people feel these days you got to be so careful and you got to treat it's like a cookie cutter. And it just doesn't work. And you don't have to do that. A good HR person will tell you, you can treat people differently, okay, as long as you treat them all fairly. Yeah, no, that's so true. You know, and you, so you mentioned something like with these surveys and having those conversations. As a CEO, mm -hmm. you have to be prepared to take that feedback, even when it's not favorable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so you have to be open to that. Um, and you know, we gotta. Sometimes we have to say, "Well, I thought we were doing that really well," but we've got to be able to say, "Okay, obviously we're not," and we need to listen, right? You know, I, I think one of my strengths. I have a lot of weaknesses. <laughs> we, we can do two shows on my weaknesses, <laughs> but I think one of my strengths is is that I love criticism. You know, I'm somewhat of a perfectionist. I want to know what's broken. You know, and and when. When I'm in, when I'm bringing, when we bring a new port on, on the hiring process, I said, look, my door is almost always open. I said, uh, you know, if you, if you're, if you're unhappy about something, please don't whine to another staff person. Talk to your manager about it. And if you don't get satisfaction there, talk to me. Right. Because you have to have those open lines of communication. And look, we all want to get better. You know, I hope I learn something every day. You know, you and I have talked, we've done each other for a long time, and I know you're the kind of person that, that you know wants to to get better all the time. Yeah. Um, so the only way you do that is by listening to the good and the bad. Yeah. You know it's interesting because I'm the same way. It's like tell me what's wrong. Tell me what's wrong. I want to fix it. Right. I, I want to grow. I want to help you grow. All of those things. But sometimes I think, and I and I've talked with other CEOs about this. Some of our frustration is that people won't be as authentic with us right. as we are with them. And so, how, you know, how do we encourage that? And like you said, all we can do is really be open and show that we're willing to take that feedback, right? And, um, and maybe, you know, and, and listen to what they're saying, so. You know, people, my, my management team calls it the Gary effect. So it's that, <laughs> like that. it's that people tell me different things than they tell them. And I think, Lori, you're, you're right on the, the nose. It's, uh, it's hard sometimes, you know. You try to be, you try to be warm and friendly and not intimidating. But I think because you have that title, I was just gonna you know, say the title. It's still, there's still some people that, you know, 
you can't get through it, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, I think you're right. And listen, we have to be able to accept that too um, and get past mm -hmm. that frustration because we aren't going to please all the people all the time. Which is interesting because people like you and I, who I think are extremely authentic and say what we think, um, we're passionate about what we do. Uh, I think passion is definitely something I always see in you about your business um, and what you do. And so I have to imagine that's on your list of ingredients. Absolutely. Sometimes people love us and sometimes they don't. No, and you gotta be the grown up in the room. You know, and um, I talked to my, you know, my management team about this is you, you, you can't let your staff frustrate you. And you can't, you know, sink sometimes. You know, people are we're all emotional bodies. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, what are we made up of? You know, our, our being, emotions. So it's important that if somebody is venting to you, um, somebody says venting to you, that you don't make excuses. You don't be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, defensive. Defensive, thank you. Okay. You listen. And if there's some sliver there of good information, you know, you, that's what you focus on. So people right. know you're listening to them. Uh, yeah. yeah. So important. So I want to talk a little bit about the magazine. Um, sure. So not that long ago, you started South Florida Business Wealth. How long is it now? Four years? Five years. Five just, years. I knew it was somewhere around five there. Five year anniversary. Awesome. Um, so you had the whole series of lifestyle magazines, right. which you still have. And then you started South Florida Business Wealth. How's that going? Tell yeah. us about it. It's so much fun. You know, um, it's, it's a public, Kevin Gale and I have worked together for 20 some odd years. Um, Kevin was my editor when I was publishing the South Florida Business Journal. We talked uh, a lot about the, the, the Business Journal and what a, a, a really great product could be. And, um, and look, I had a wonderful tenure at the Business Journal. I still subscribe, I read it. I think it's a terrific publication. Um, but I always wanted to have a business publication that was really beautiful and was written at a CEO level um, and had controlled circulation. By controlled circulation is content today is totally different than it was a decade ago. Okay? You can get content for free everywhere. So the whole model of people paying for subscriptions is gone. It's gone, right. right. So where we're different from the, my, you know, my, my old company is that we control who it goes to. Now, if I mail this out to 25,000 top executives in South Florida, which we do, there's a good chance if, I, if we're not a great product, they just toss it in the garbage. Right. You know, luckily, we've built up a, uh, a really great fan club you know, our, we're noted for our events uh, that, that, you know, we have large events. We did our Apogee Awards a few weeks ago. We had almost 550 people there. Um, our Apogee Awards, and people don't know what the name Apogee is. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is, Apogee means, like, beyond pinnacle. Right. And Yeah, I had to look it up when I right. saw the awards for the first time. I'm like, and, what does and, that mean? <laughs> and most people have no idea. So we actually did a, did a video with past winners of the Apogee Awards, and they go, do you know what Apogee means? One guy, one guy said, one of the CEOs said, I think it's a sandwich that combines turkey with roast beef, you know? <laughs> it was all crazy answers, and, and the, the place was slapping hysterically. But you know, we have a reputation for doing, uh, for, for having a very strong event platform. Right. And the publication um, 
you know, publication is zero in on, on the yeah. market. I have a couple of issues here. Of course, the iconic Mr. Mike Jackson. Jackson. And we uh, do these things called CEO Connects. Once a month, I'll right. interview a CEO, and I did Mike a few months ago. And uh, it was a great interview. It was very candid. Uh, and then we started Tampa Bay Business and Wealth a little over a year ago. Oh. And uh, we, the publisher and the ad director uh, from Tampa Bay Business Journal are working with me out there. And uh, that publication was profitable in the first year. And, uh, you know, it's all about, and again, about people. Bridget Mills is the, is the publisher there. She knows everybody in Tampa Bay. And uh, but again, people, good product. Well, I was just going to say, I heard you say the word quality a couple of times. Um, and so standing out from the rest, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that's obviously something that was important and I think has been part of the success of South Florida Business and Wealth, right? Being, being unique. Uh, as you said, Apogee, you know, there's, maybe there's, that's there's, how you describe your magazine. Right. There's no competitive product like that here. Right. And um, there's been companies who've tried to do, you know, in, in cities around the country, you have great business magazines, local business magazines, and they're still doing very well. People always say, ask me, you know, isn't print dead? And the answer is yes and no. I mean, newspapers, yeah, they're, they're, going, they're going away. Right. Um, but magazines are stronger than they've ever been. More new startups last year, more... Uh, success stories last year than before. We have more successful magazines than we did had 10 years ago. So the magazine business is still doing well. And most studies show when they look at, um, AdAge does a lot of this kind of work. When they look at what is the most effective means of advertising, it's Magazine. a combination of magazines and digital. And thank God we have a full digital right. agency too. <laughs> well, I was going to say that. So, so how have you had to transform your business, right, to today's way of uh, communicating, right, with your readers. Um, so, um, and so that was to create a larger digital component. Yeah. Well, the digital, digital component, the websites, the so all social media for the magazines is one thing, but the writing was on the wall that, you know, we're blessed because we have an audience, okay? People try to get attention People try to get that audience's attention, and, we, and, and we're, the, we're the way to do it. But on the other hand, you know, I may have a, 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 uh, a company that this comes up. I got a company, you know, a, a you know, a company that does uh, uh, does all the maintenance for homeowners homeowner associations, right? Okay, they're looking to go after just HOA directors. Okay, we're a very ineffective buy for that. Right. However, on the digital side. I can target every every HOA, not just the, the, the person who runs the HOA, but his board through digital marketing. Right. So we're getting larger market share, and um, I would say 40, 50% of our business now, you'll see in ads or sponsorships from, um, through, our, uh, through our publications, and the, the other half is just through digital campaigns that we do for people. So reinventing. Yourself, your Absolutely. business, so Growing, important. Absolutely, right. yeah. 
Um, so I want to mention for those that don't know, so we have an amazing partnership with Lifestyles and South Florida Business and Wealth. If you have been here recently to this town, you know that there's a storefront right. where students are learning all about your business, right? Um, and it's so a, it's the best investment we've made. It's so oh, much fun. It's thank so much you. Fun. Well, we love having you here, um, and the kids love it. They produce a magazine every single day, right. uh, and so we're teaching them right that the business is not dead, and so we need to make sure that there's a pipeline that feeds into that business as well. I want to talk a little bit about, because I know that this is not your only uh, entrepreneurial um, project. And so other businesses, I think you, you have some other things that you do as well. Yeah, when I, when I decided to, to leave the Business Journal about 11 years ago, um, I wanted to, I always was, was um, jealous is a bad word, but uh, felt glowingly about <laughs> about my friends in the insurance world because you know once you sell somebody insurance, I mean, you know, you kind of got them for the rest of their life, unless they do something really bad. You know, you just develop a relationship. Um, so I really wanted to do something with residual income. Um, so we started a company, the kind of a technology company. And we have now over 2,000 affiliates, and we sell all kinds of things. And the affiliates are marketing companies that have call centers, and we have a very strong identity theft plan with a triple bureau report and score. So we're like a LifeLock, except LifeLock gives you a one bureau report and score annually. Ours is a three bureau, three bureau report and score. You say um, that 10 times monthly. fast. Yeah, right? it's like quid pro quo. <laughs> Let's not go there. Okay. So overall, we have uh, over two hundred thousand people that are paying us approximately twenty-five dollars a month, and we pay our affiliates back twenty to twenty-five percent commission on that. Um, we have several other companies that uh, that we do. We're one of the larger writers of something called involuntary and uh, involuntary unemployment insurance. Mm -hmm. So. This would go, if, if, if you're buying a car and um, they said, by the way, when you buy your car here, okay, if you lose your job, we'll make your car payment for three months. Ah, so, kind of almost like an Aflac in a sense, but, it is. but similar. It, it is, exactly. What are the names of these businesses? I want to make sure we get that out there. Well, the Can you say the name of sure, them? Sure, the parent company is, or, or the main company is Alternative Revenue Solutions. So we wanted to, uh, when, we, when we came up with the concept, we wanted to allow businesses to be able to sell some of the benefits that a company would provide to their employees. But this is for a company, for their customers, and be able to create more market share. Hmm. So we have an automotive program like AAA, but again, at a very reduced rate. You know, we do telemedicine. Um, we have about 50 products. Wow. Um, but most of them are in that, uh, in the, the identity theft area, in the voluntary unemployment area, and in the legal area where we provide uh, sort of a prepaid legal program for, for companies. Right. So is it the money that drives you to do all this, or is it something else? Right, I'm always, it's really interesting because for me it's not about the money sometimes, it's the thrill or, so I'm always curious, right, what is it that drives you, what's your why? 
right? Like, it's two what things. is your why to make this the best magazine you can make it? Well, it's really, it's really two things. I think for most of my career, it really has been about money. I, I don't, you know, I'd like to say something else, <laughs> something more noble. I love your honesty. Okay, but most of my career is about, about the money. Over the past 15 years, it's been more about the people I work with. Um, you know, we've uh, people who have been working with me 25 years, and it's a journey, and it's a wonderful journey, and we share our lives. Um, yeah. You know, when someone's hurt, we're all hurt. We pick pick the person up, been through divorces, through through kids having issues. So to me, it's it's really about the people now. Um, we always want to grow, and I guess I think a lot of I know men do this. Um, Sure, I think women do it too, but maybe to a greater degree, Mel, you can have your thoughts on it. But, but we, we make the mistake of measuring ourselves by how much money we make. And I, am, I understand you know, intellectually that that's not a good thing. You know, we, there's so many better ways to measure ourselves. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but it's a generational still... thing too, I think, right? Yeah. I think yeah. when we were growing up, boys, men were conditioned to think they are the provider, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. They need to be the person who takes care of their family financially. Right. Today's generation might, might not be so much that young men feel that way, right? right? So I think it's part of it is our conditioning um, because I think you're right. I, I wasn't conditioned that way to think of myself as a breadwinner. For me, it was always more about what felt good, making a difference, right? That was important to me. Right. But I didn't have to be that person who was the primary breadwinner until you know I went through a divorce. That was a different story. So your life changes, and so that perspective changes as well. But I think you're right. I think um, so, so money drives you. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that, absolutely. Um, the people and those relationships and the family, uh, your work family, right, who becomes so important to you. Um, and I love that um, because I think it's our why that drives us to do all the good things we do. Um, yeah, and even on the people side, um, I, can, I can name a bunch of people, but one person, uh, a, guy named, a, a, a gentleman named Clayton Idol, you met Clayton, yeah, right? Yeah, So, you know, Clayton came in, he was working for, uh, before he started working with us, but came in about four years ago. He was, he was selling sponsorship for sporting events. Okay, great guy. And as he's grown and understands the industry, you know, we do these as CEO Connects. He's doing half of them now. Yeah, I saw that. So I like growing people. You know, it's it's, it's like I'm so proud of watching people grow. You know, we just acquired a, another advertising company. So one of our the uh, Dan Fudge, who was running Lifestyle magazines, now has moved over and running ARS, Return of Revenue Solutions. Right. And watching him grow into that role is, is, is true. Plus, he's making my life easier. <laughs> so, so, you know, it all works hand in hand. Right. Exactly. Well, I, I ran out of ink on my thing, so, okay. so I wrote a couple of things here, so I want to read back your ingredients. Sure. And we talked about so much, I, and I try to capture at least the most important things. And you can see I was kind of running out of ink there, so I to go over here. Um, so definitely taking risks yep. has been a big part of your journey um, and not being afraid to do that. Taking care of your people. You must have mentioned people five times, at least during this 
30 minutes. Right. Um, and so obviously that is something that's really, really important to you. Which is so interesting because I, I wouldn't have thought that. Not that I don't think people are important to you, I don't mean it that way, but you're so focused on the business side that I think sometimes the people side of us, when we're so focused on business, yeah. doesn't always come through yeah, as much. Yeah, gotta remind yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, learn and grow and move forward, right? If things don't go as planned, what can I learn from this? How can I grow? And I gotta move forward, right? Uh, get to know your people. Again, going back to people. Getting honest feedback. Um, you love criticism, you said, and I think that is so critical because I think there are a lot of leaders out there who don't want to hear anything negative, and we can't grow. We can't change things exactly. if we don't. Uh, find that Gary effect, right? I love that um, about you. Uh, be the grown-up in the room. I haven't heard that one yet. That's a new one for us. Good. Um, that's, that's a really good one because you're right. Sometimes you take things personally. Um, and because our intentions are, are, are good, mm -hmm. um, that sometimes we kind of like, well, what do you mean? You know, kind of thing. And so, yeah, stay in that grown-up in the room. Relationships, again, back to people. Quality, right? Be the best. Create the best product that you can create for your constituents or your clients, right. customers. Reinvention. Businesses change, we change, the world is changing. We've got to constantly reinvent ourselves and our businesses. Otherwise, I'm sure uh, there'll be some downside to right, that. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, being, I started to write, being authentic about your why. You know, when most times you ask people, what's your why? Oh, it's because I care. It's because I, I my family, my... We're not always on the stuff to say what you just said, right. which is money drives me. It does. Um, and that's okay, right? And by the way, when I interview a salesperson, if if they don't say money drives them... You don't hire don't them. Hire them. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Right. Well, job. in a sales position, that's what you want. Right. Right? Um, if I'm hiring a psychologist, I want somebody who cares about people right. and not about money. Yep. Um, and again, the last one you said, again, going back to people. You enjoy growing people and developing people, and that's the sign of a true leader. And so, amazing recipe for success. Oh, thank you. Um, I knew it would be, and uh, so I was excited to have you here. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming to our house and, and being a part of you this. You do such great work, and this thank is you. such a pleasure, so I, I enjoyed it. Thank this. you, thank you. I really appreciate great. it. I hope you enjoyed our show today, enjoyed hearing a little bit about Gary's journey. Uh, we're going to have to probably recycle through some of our guests because there's so much more that we can learn about them. Um, and so we hope that you will subscribe. Uh, go to YouTube, subscribe to this podcast and, and video show, and we, we love that. Follow us, and um, we hope that you will continue to join us. Uh, come back next week, Wednesday, live at 1 o'clock. Let's get cooking.